Welcome to another episode of Problem Busters with myself, Jonathan, and the Honourable Ollie. I never How get are you? tired of being honourable. I'm very well, sir. And you? Ah, I'm very well, thank you. Very Spring well. is springing. So happy to yes, see it those is. blossoms on those trees and those leaves coming out, can I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> um, who do we have this week, Ollie? Well, this week, I'm pleased to say that we have Kapil Pakania. And Kapil is a life coach from North London. Um, he currently works with me at Form 3, um, Financial Cloud in the FinTech game. Um, but he's here tonight to talk to us about life coaching. Welcome. Hey, good evening, gents. Good to be here. Excited to be part of this conversation as well. Thank you for having me. Ah, it's a pleasure. So yeah. we usually begin with a little bit about you and uh, I guess in your case, what your journey towards coaching was. Yes, yeah, a good question. I think this all kind of started about five years ago and um, I was in my mid-twenties and had a good job, had a good set of family and friends around me. Everything was kind of going well for me. But one thing I realized, I didn't really have any kind of uh, uh, passion or ambition in my life at that stage. And I thought, what can I do to actually address that? And uh, at the same time, I didn't really have anything in place or any kind of plans to do with, you know, how can I actually become a better person uh, professionally and personally? So um, I think kind of started with uh, listening to a few podcasts here and there on my Spotify app uh, on the way to work on my bike. So uh, and it was all about motivation, these podcasts. And um Suddenly, one thing led to another, and um, I got into this topic of coaching. And um, so what I did was I looked for a coaching sort of workshop that's available in Cambridge uh, when I was living in Cambridge at that stage. And uh, I ran into a person called Becky who was running this coaching workshop. And she gave me all these insights about coaching. And just bearing in mind that I actually wanted to uh, start coaching people myself. But what actually happened was... Uh, Becky taught me all these fundamentals about life coaching and um, about a month later on she actually she became my very first life coach so uh, uh, Becky Balzono if you're listening in uh, shout out to you um, so yeah that's how I kind of came around to uh, becoming a life coach um, so it went from being coached to then coaching other people and so I've been in the hot seat uh, as a coach and a client so uh it's quite nice to have that sort of full aspect of the coaching world. Nice. And if uh, if only we could all be as succinct as that, Jonathan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I agree. I agree. So coming from this view of being coached and also coaching, I think that gives you, uh, would you say, uh, a, a, uh, a unique perspective around sort of coaching and, and life coaching in the industry, right? Um, in what sort of benefits do you think coaching sort of brings to people and society? Yeah, I think for me, especially, uh, coaching really, uh, brought a whole new level of self-awareness to me, uh, especially my day-to-day, week-to-week, what are my habits, what are my routines, what are my behaviors, my traits, my emotions, 
And it all kind, of, all kind of comes to the surface. As soon as you start talking about it with the coach in that coaching conversation, you start to listen to how you're talking about your own sort of issues, your challenges, the things you want to accomplish in life. So I would say self-awareness was a fundamental learning there for me. And again, it's going to be something which will be fundamental to many people who want to be coached in Could today's world. Could you give world. us an example of, uh, of something that maybe you weren't aware of that you became aware of? Yeah, I think around, um, it was wanting to make time for myself to work on myself to become a better person, i.e. do a bit more reading, take on new skills. And the excuse I kept giving to myself was I had no time or I didn't think it was very valuable to me. So actually, so when I worked with Becky, my first coach, to go through this challenge of finding time, I realized that I wasn't really um, actually finding time myself, as in prioritizing this in the first place around my day-to-day life. Um, so what that led to was actually putting time aside first thing in the morning with no distractions around me, nothing to do with work or with people or any kind of conversations. And that time alone in the morning was just me and myself, just uh, plugging away with reading, journaling, um, just discovering new skills in the area just to get myself involved with. Um, So that was quite a big uh, unblocking of my sort of limiting belief and that I have no time to do this. So uh, bringing that to the surface by uh, the coach, that really helped me to be much more self-aware about how I spend my time, how I prioritize my time day in and day out. And what would you say to me, uh, literally, if I said, Kapil, but I already get up as early as I can and, you know, I work so late and I have this crazy idea that we should be podcasting to help people in the world and (laughs) (laughs) how could I possibly find that time? Doesn't that mean like half an hour less sleep I get each night? Well, I think it's to be aware about what is your routine today, right from the moment you wake up in the morning to when you're going to the workplace, when you're having family and friends and social events happening around you, what are you doing literally maybe on every half an hour sort of increment on any given day? And the question to really ask yourself is where are you actually adding value to yourself? Where are you spending quality time? Where do you think the time is not being spent in the most productive way? And therefore where, how could you substitute that time towards actually doing a coaching conversation, for example, or doing a podcast? Um, I think that's a good starting step because it's good to know where you are today as a baseline. And then if we discover that actually there are certain opportunities to free up more time, then that will be step number two. Nice. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. One of the things that sort of jumped out at the benefits as well was Mm. emotion was sort of the emotional aspect of it. So that sort of jumped out because, um, you know, as a, as a layman, I would say in, in Mm. regards to coaching, um, I would always think, oh, it's just professional work. It's just work stuff that somebody's going to coach you on or life coaching always, you know, it's, uh, it's just things like you said, with time management, but the emotional aspect um, I wasn't really aware of. Are you are you mm. able to expand on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think with coaching is um, the fact that we live in a very digitalized, very busy day-to-day sort of environment. It's very rare to have a conversation one-to-one with someone where it's all about yourself, your issues, your challenges, your accomplishments. And to have that sort of platform or forum, that is someone giving up your their time to be with you side-by-side side, having that conversation. And to talk about to yourself and to the coach about 
where you think you're messing up in life or where you think there are certain challenges that you want to overcome, it really does start to hit you in a different way because not only are you thinking it in your head day to day, but this time around with coaching, you're actually uh, saying it to yourself, but to the other person out loud and has a whole different effect to it as well. And it's almost like a you know big uh, sort of uh, breath of fresh air, as you can probably call it, because now it's out in the open about how you feel about certain areas of your life. It can now be addressed in a very safe and trusting environment with the coach. Ah, so would you say that you know that That's that relationship? The sound of Jonathan having three questions he wants to ask. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, ooh, ah, ooh. <laughs> um, in terms of of of, um, of the coaching and 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 say um, your, your your client or the person you're coaching, um, mm. you know, offloading a lot of that sort of emotional burden onto you. Mm. Would you? Does that also help you grow? In terms of you're now when you shift that weight onto you and and potentially you're you're perhaps the person who can help solve that problem. Yeah, I think it takes a lot of practice to actually uh, not just listen to what the client is telling you. So, for example, Kapil, this is what my challenges are: A, B, C, and D. But also at the same time, you have to be present in the conversation. I.e., you're listening to what they're saying, but at the same time, you're not really trying to. Uh, uh, think of answers in reflection to what they're saying straight away. You're trying to really understand where they're coming from, how they're presenting themselves, you know, right in front of you as a person, their physical appearance, their body language. It's a lot to take in as well. So um, I think the more that you practice in terms of how people present themselves in terms of their challenges, you become uh, better at actually being very engaged with that person. And uh, you can make notes here and there on, on a piece of paper, just remind yourself of one or two particular points that you want to bring up again in the conversation later on. But um, I think it's uh, all about just making sure that the client feels safe telling you how they feel and about their challenges. And for me as a coach, it's about making sure I understand what the main challenges are, what the main themes or the main sort of words and phrases that keep coming up from this client, because that will be a fundamental uh, starting point with the conversation. Wow, that's fantastic. Makes I think, um, yeah, it does. And Oli, I and think, think you probably, yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you'd agree that like, being present is, I think that's one of the key things, actually, especially when, yeah. when, you're, when you're sort of listening and, and you know, um, offering that sort of, that guidance and mm. you know um yeah yeah i, I think, think mm-hmm. i was going to mention that um it's a bit of a mis- misconception that coaches aren't perfect people right we're all human beings and we all, we all have a fair share of challenges in our lives and this it can be a tricky situation where a client is speaking to you about a challenge call it i don't know um, a family situation or um, a work related issue and that's something that you yourself as a coach is also undergoing in that time as well. So you're trying not to relate to the client in that sort of way. We're trying to be more separate to the client so that you're actually being uh, quite impartial at the same time. So uh, rather than uh, allowing the challenge from the client be your challenge, you're really trying to separate the two in terms of what their challenge is and me being a listener and a coach, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, okay. so sort of step outside of the situation and be able to mm. um, also be present, but also assess it from a um, impartial sort of standpoint. Is that right? Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. Ah, so, and okay. uh, it's 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 probably one of the biggest challenges I had in coaching right from the from the get go on day one, where you're trying to not let your own sort of uh, challenges in your life or any issues or how you want to uh, work on different areas of your life, you don't want to bring that into the conversation. You're trying to keep it away from a grey area. You want to keep it fresh and make it all about what does the client in front of me want from me. Hmm. There's, I, I know for myself, there's, there's nothing worse than, um, than telling somebody uh, about something that, that I'm struggling with and, and hearing them say, well, the last time I did it, I did it like this. What's the problem? <laughs> it's just, yeah. It just doesn't really, doesn't really empower the, uh, uh, the person who's, who's sharing, does it? No, no. So on that point, Ollie um, uh, and Kapil, so what, what advice would you have for, um, for people who think that they might want a, a coach? What, what are the things they should be looking out for? Uh, things to look out for is um, the, the relationship between the coach and having a, a strong rapport between the coach and the client is absolutely key before anything else. Uh, so what that means is someone, uh, a coach that you can trust, someone who you feel is a good listener, and uh, non-judgmental at the same time and that can only be done I suppose through the coaching conversations but with coaching um, rather than putting the pressure on the client to have you know call it three sessions or a block of six sessions together you can have what you call it a discovery session or a sort of experiment or half an hour sort of consultation period different ways of calling it really but basically it's a experiment for the coach to uh, have a conversation with a client just to have a summary, uh, a summarized conversation about what the challenges are and whether the coach and the client feel that they can work well together. And if for any reason they feel that you know, there's no real relationship or there's no sort of trust for any reason or the client feels, oh, wait a minute, I don't feel like this person's really listening to me. He's not really understanding what I'm saying. He keeps talking about his own ways of how to deal with situations. Then there'll be a, you know, a whole bunch of red, red flags there as well. So, uh, uh, having that sort of initial period of a consultation or a discovery session, it really takes a weight off both the coach and the client because no one is actually, you know, there's no sort of binding contract. There's nothing legal to say, oh, yeah, you must have these six sessions regardless of how you feel about it. So uh, that's something which is quite fundamental in coaching and that you can actually experiment the relationship before you actually sign up to actually having ongoing conversations. Okay. Mm. And yeah, and, would you, um, and and what sort of levels, sorry, what what sort of levels do you think mm. people can engage with a coach? Because I've I have heard people say, you know, I want to get coached in this or that, but but I think it's mm. quite a big commitment in time and in money. And uh, are there different levels that people engage at at different times in their lives, or is it fairly standard? Yeah, that's no, a great question because uh, the clients that I've coached in the past have come from many different backgrounds, demographics, age groups, you name it. Uh, I've coached uh, lecturers, teachers, uh, guitarists, uh, even some few executives here and there as well. Um, so one of the things I want to understand from the client right from the get-go is uh, what do they understand about coaching? Because it can be a, blur, a blurry sort of, um, you know, a Venn diagram, you can probably call it, where coaching is thrown into the circle with consulting, mentoring, therapy. And the question really is what does the client expect to get out of the coaching conversation itself. And if it turns out there's a lot of trauma, a lot of issues right from, you know, many years ago for that client, 
it could be that coaching isn't the right way forward for that person. And therefore you can, you as a coach can say, I don't think we can actually work in this manner because it sounds like you're after A, B and C, but I can only give you D, E and F. Uh, so in that sort of situation, I can say, we can end the conversation here or I can refer you to somebody else who I think could be a better fit for you. And also around the timing and money sort of uh, concepts, um, it's around, because I think there's um, a challenge in terms of what are the clients getting in terms of benefit for, you know, spending money towards coaching, what can they get in return? I think having these discovery sessions that I mentioned is a good sort of stepping stone for that client to know exactly what they could get as a result from coaching, at least a taste of more than anything else. And um, as a coach, uh, I ask some very basic questions, but I can go, it can be quite deep as well. So, for example, I can ask questions um, such as, what do you want to get from coaching? What are your main challenges? What's stopping you today? What do you think is the one or two key things stopping you from you know, taking the next step? And, um, you know, that's where you get really deep into the layers of the challenge is um, being faced by the client. And the third element is around um, momentum and accountability. So um, coaching someone every two or three months has very little momentum because, you know, there's a big gap between conversations. Uh, whereas having conversations every one or two weeks or every month at the most, it seems to be a lot more effective uh, because you're being more accountable towards that coach because you're having actions to take away and you know that, you know, the next conversation is going to be one, only one or two weeks away. So uh, you're feeling like, you know, you've got a bit of time to work on yourself between sessions and then uh, there's not much of a lull period. There's always a big momentum going right from the first conversation right to the very end. Thank you. I just wanted to um, to loop back on the sort of discovery sessions because, mm. um, um, you know, again, as a, <laughs> as a layman, <laughs> um, uh, in terms of discovery session, so uh, myself, I'm, I'm sort of in operations where I am and uh, I'm sure, you know, Ollie's in products and everybody has their own versions of discovery. Um, mm -hmm. Is there a set format to be expected or does it vary depending on coach for, for sort of that, that, that initial, um, from lack of a better word, triage mm -hmm. uh, session? Yeah, I think for every coach is quite different how they want to go about with these consultation periods. Um, and I should mention that not every coach does the consultation. It's, some people actually do have a block of six sessions, you know, right from the, the start of day one, really, rather than having an initial experimental period. Uh, but for me, um, if it comes to having a 30-minute conversation or discovery session with a client, um, I would beforehand, before even having the conversation, I'll you know, give uh, the client maybe five or six main sort of uh, concepts about coaching and what to expect from the conversation. And um, also ensuring that the client comes to the, converse, the, the conversation with a particular challenge, just so that we can both be uh, you know, briefed beforehand and there's no sort of surprise in the conversation itself. And um, when, when we first address the challenge in the conversation, then the next sort of areas to tackle is, okay, like I said earlier on, um, where are you with the challenge today? How have you actually um, uh, experimented with um, sort of uh, overcoming the challenge in different ways in the past? And if not, what do you think is stopping you? And um, I think those are sort of like first two or three main layers to uncover in the discovery call. And um, that way around, you actually are asking very open questions and challenging the client. 
And it's a good way to feel in terms of how the client will react to that as well. So that's a good way to actually um, embed trust and a good relationship by asking those open, challenging questions rather than very short and simple ones. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And what, what about on the other side? Um, I've decided I'm mm. going to take on a coach. I've, mm. I've found my Kapil or my Becky and, uh, and <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to start working with them. What advice would you give to me um, to ensure that I get the most out of the whole process? Yeah, I think it's uh, really being clear in terms of what do you want to accomplish in your goal and really expanding that. So, for example, if, you're, if your goal is to, I don't know, lose weight or become a fitter person, um, the question will be around, okay, why do you want to do this? How is it going to benefit you? Uh, why is it important for you? And um, one of the things I actually realized about coaching a few clients in the past is that the goal which they want to accomplish, which they present me, me with in the discovery call, isn't always the goal. I.e., for example, um, I had a client who once wanted to uh, start a new business. I said, okay, that's good. You want to start a new business. What do you want to start a business for? And he said to me, oh, yeah, I want to start a business and create a lot of money and therefore I can buy a big house later on, have all these parties. And then I asked him, so why do you want to have a big house and have all these parties for? Said, oh, because, you know, I can invite lots of people over. It'd be awesome. It'd be great fun. And I said to him, okay, so why is it important for you to have a big house, with a lot of money and have a lot of people around you having parties? He said to me, oh, because, you know, when I was growing up, I didn't really have many people around me. I found it very difficult to make friends uh, around me in school. And then I thought, wow, well, like, how did it go from uh, the goal of having to start a business and then deep into the layers, we're talking about having the difficulty of fitting in in school and finding friends around you. So I think that's where it can be quite revolutionary in coaching that the goal you're presenting in that discovery call isn't always a goal. So there's something to really watch out for, I say. Yeah, yeah. And it, it comes back to that self-awareness that, that you got mm. from coaching, right? Um, yeah, okay. So, yeah, so, so, so I guess the first thing is just playing that back to you, that, that uh, the first thing that I say to my coach that I'm really there for might not be the thing once we dig through it a bit. Um, in, in terms of me then getting the most out of the sessions, um, mm. What would you be guiding me on? So to get the most out of the sessions is, um, I think uh, understanding what the challenges are in the first place. Is it one or two main challenges? And what is a priority for that person in terms of what to tackle first? Because for me as a coach, it's not my job to say which I think of your challenges are the most important or the least important. So that's really down to how the client wants to go about this in terms of what they think is a priority. And in other ways to really get the best out of coaching is to, to uh, really ask questions, as many questions as possible. And uh, because you really um, you, you want to utilize this experimental time with this coach in the best way possible. And to do that, you really want to um, understand uh, about coaching itself rather than just the challenge itself. So it's a good forum to actually ask questions about, you know, what can I expect from coaching if I were to continue this in the next three to six sessions, for example. And um, what else can I say about coaching in conversations is that uh, um, th for a client who comes to me having a 30-minute session, it's uh, a, a good way to actually to uh, really make the time efficient for that person is to be prepared 
to write down as much as possible before the session and also make notes during the session as well, just so they have things to reflect back on after the conversation itself. Because after the consultation, the question really is, do you want to continue coaching? And the only person to ask to answer that question is the client. And if the client has written down these notes or, you know, had a good sort of understanding about what to expect in coaching, that will be the sort of gateway to say yes or no. I think, you know, coaching is right for me. Thank you. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Jonathan? Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, so in terms of setting expectations then, mm. would it be fair to, uh, I know you don't, we shouldn't really assume, but <laughs> is it fair to assume um, that the client should expect actions at the end of each session? Uh, I'll say so, yeah. So um, with coaching, uh, the ultimate sort of, one of the ultimate fundamentals is around uh, not just the self-awareness piece, but also being accountable and responsible for your own actions. Because the best way to really get the most out of these sessions really is to take action from these sessions. And this is where the the motivation and the momentum comes into play between sessions where rather than just having a lull period or, you know, no no contact between coaching and the client, sorry, between the coach and the client between sessions, that time instead between sessions is being used for the client to take actual responsibility, taking actions, whether small steps or big steps. And that way you're actually being accountable to the coach and to yourself as a person. And then when it comes to the next conversation, you present your actions back to the coach to say, okay, this is what I've done so far. This is what happened for me. This is what I thought went well, what didn't go well. This is what I learned. And that way you actually are looking for a new way to start a new conversation or to actually, you know, um, start off from where you left off in the last conversation to review exactly what the actions were. Uh, what were the actions that were agreed from the first session to where we are today and what actions have been taken and what has not been taken. Because sometimes I've seen from, I've seen this from many clients where they take some actions but very few and not the complete list. And then sometimes it's really down to um, motivation. Sometimes it's down to uh, the client realizing actually the actions I'm taking aren't what I think is actually important here. So maybe I need to address this again with the coach later on to say, oh, upon reflection, I think this is not really the area I want to tackle. It's actually something else just from, you know, having that sort of time and space to think and reflect about the first conversation. Um, so, yeah, accountability and taking action between sessions is the the best way to really get the most out of coaching. Hmm. Hmm. So in, in terms of the feedback you receive, I'm sure you've probably got some... Uh... Some, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've probably got, uh, uh, you know, just uh, some experience around that. Um, so, yeah. what what were one of the things you've learned from mm. um, coaching people, and, and you know, potentially giving them a list of actions and getting back at uh, uh, varied outcomes? <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, no, no, it's a good question because um, I think one of the pieces I mentioned earlier on was, uh, you know, the goal isn't always a goal that comes to the table; it could be something else later on. Um, and that's something to really keep in mind because, um, you know, you're always peeling back many layers of the client in, you know, as conversations go on. Um, I think also, and what I realized is if I do have people or clients, you know, coming back to me in the second or third session saying to me, oh, by the way, I took very little action or very little or no action at all. Um, that's a that's a prompt for me to say, okay, what was stopping you in the first place? Did you have time to do it? What do you think has stopped you from actually taking action? 
because this is what you had, you know, this is the conversation we had in the first place in the first session. But um, unfortunately, there's been no action. So uh, I think sometimes what I realize is that people use coaches just to really uh, let the air out and just say, this is what I think about my situation. And um, what I mean by that is they want to say what the challenges are, what the issues are in their own life, but they don't actually want to take any action. They don't want to be accountable. They don't actually want to, uh, you know, make themselves better by taking action. So again, that's a whole different layer because something else is stopping them, which has not been presented in the previous conversations. So it's all about what is the motivation for a client to take action or not take action. You know, so I think that there's a there's been a mixed bag of results in terms of uh, people coming back to me after the first the first and second conversations. Um, obviously, it can be a bit of a frustrating experience as a coach because you know. At the same time, you feel frustrated, but at the same time, you don't want to present that back to the client because, again, you want to be separate from what they're presenting to you in that next conversation. So it's really trying to balance out exactly what the client said they'll do and what they actually did later on. And would you Mm. say that there's also just value sometimes in people having a safe space to, to, to get things out into the open? Yeah, something I learned from... The early days of coaching is that sometimes you, you can be very eager to uh, respond to what the client is telling you and uh, because you want to ask the next question you think of the next question you want to ask it there and then you know you, you become impatient but sometimes if you let the client just speak even when there's big pauses between sentences it allows the client that space to actually just keep talking a little bit more because it means they could be uncovering something, you know, completely new in a different way, which wasn't said otherwise. So um, I think it's very important for coaches to really read body language as well, because it allows you to tell, it tells you what the client is telling you, but not telling you as well at the same time. So something very crucial to look out for. And I guess that, uh, that relates to um, folks like us, Jonathan, and, and thinking about <laughs> our teams and, and thinking, I just, I feel like coaching and also mentoring, and maybe mm. we could get you to define the difference between those two in a moment, Kapil. Um, but, yep. um, you know, I feel, I feel like there's a need for me to be coach and mentor to the folks in my team and, and also just folks around me at work. Mm. Um, and I often feel like I'm not very uh, skilled in that. Don't know about you, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, I see a lot of overlap as well. I mean, um, the folks on my team are, um, I do get some sort of graduates and, and sort of, um, and junior members of the team. And you do feel like, oh, uh, maybe I could do, uh, if only I could do more, can I do more? How do I, how do I help you? Mm. Um, and again, as, as Oli, I think Oli sort of, um, lean towards is that the sort of the mentoring and coaching and what's the difference and, you know, uh, what, what's, <laughs> you know, what, what, what is the definition of each one? Cause to me, for example, um, well, I'm not going to give an example cause I don't, I'm not really, <laughs> I'm not really sure it all well versed, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's good. We have an expert here, Oli. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, Kapu, if you could just give us a, a view on, on the difference between mentoring and coaching, um, mm. yeah. Yeah, so I think with mentoring, it's, uh, it's more about a specialist who can give you guidance and, you know, 
uh, lay out some steps, a framework or a, a program to really allow the client to follow that program or steps to get from where they are to where they want to be. And it's a very, uh, very simple sort of process from A to B. And the hierarchy is the mentor is overlooking the client. Whereas on the coaching side of things, uh, you're very much side by side, where in the fact that you're on this journey together and you're trying to, you don't want to show that you as a coach has power or more expertise than the client in that way. So if I were to sum up how a mentor differentiates from a coach, a mentor has good answers to your questions. Whereas a coach has good questions for your answers, if that makes sense. So like mentoring, yeah, is I like really, that too. Because <laughs> <laughs> mentoring really is around, uh, you know, having the expertise, answering the questions uh, which the client has around a particular issue or subject or any kind of program in the workplace, for example. Whereas coaching is really unlocking the thoughts, the the, the patterns of behaviour. Uh, again, the emotions of the client by asking solid, open questions. And the better the questions, the better the answers and responses you get in return. So uh, that's how I kind of, uh, in a nutshell, would differentiate the two. <laughs> okay. You know what's really interesting, Ollie and, and Kapil? Mm. Is some of the really good sort of managers I've had have sort of been, have taken a lot of that sort of coaching piece into play which is quite interesting, quite interesting. I would have a question about work. Yeah, fine, that's mentoring. But then another thing like, you know, I'm finding I'm, you know, spending time solving a lot of other people's problems rather than my own at work, How, you know, and they'll yeah. just ask a question. You're like, oh, yes. <laughs> I didn't think of that. <laughs> yeah, so and that's really a skill, it. isn't it? That's a leadership yeah. skill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, yeah. what advice would you... What advice would you give to managers um, who are wanting to coach their teams? Let's focus on that. Yes, I think um, it's important for managers to understand, firstly, what is mentoring, what is coaching in the first place? Because, again, I see it all the time in many organizations that there's always a crossover between the two. And so it can be a bit of a blur in terms of what really is coaching, what really is mentoring. But I feel that for managers, especially, they can to really uh, show the value of coaching in the workplace is to just demonstrate it without even talking about it sometimes. It's having a conversation between a manager and the report to say, let's have a one-to-one and uh, the manager is going to have a coaching sort of approach to this conversation this time rather than a normal chit-chat. And um, what they can do at the end of that, end of that conversation is the manager can say to the, the report, um, so what do you think of that conversation? Because really what we're trying to get out of this is uh, the report should feel quite different in the fact that they feel that um, they've actually been listened to in a very different way where they're not being judged or not being you know, not being told what to do in certain ways. Uh, the, uh, the report has actually felt like they're being listened to and felt like they are important and they feel like they're more of a human being rather than just another cognitive machine in the workplace. So again, uh, just going back to um, the question there is demonstrating the the power of coaching is the best way to really sell it because I can talk to I can talk to people about coaching until the cows come home but really until you actually demonstrate the value of coaching that's where you know that's where the golden nuggets really are um, so it really starts from managers taking the steps you know really showing the lead in coaching 
and then you can see the value of coaching being flown down and being filtered into the rest of the organization. And it, it becomes a big culture in that coaching is something that people want to do between managers rather than managers to reports and also at the low level, mid-management level and the executive level as well. So uh, it's all about really just uh, uh, creating the culture right from the top down sort of approach. And yeah, the company will be thriving, in my opinion, for that matter. Awesome. Thank you. What would you say some of the common mistakes that um, sort of, uh, I'd say, a manager who's just just starting to to incorporate some coaching into their their repertoire. What what are the what are the mistakes that 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 um, uh, somebody might make when trying to coach someone else? Yeah, I think um, one of the common errors I've seen many times over, and I think it's quite a natural error sometimes, is that we tend to, as coaches, tend to uh, make assumptions about what the client or the person at work is going through, mentally, physically, you know, working from home, you know, how does that feel for them? And uh, assuming, you know, what they're feeling, what their workload is, when actually um, that kind of like, uh, it's kind of it's very misaligned because what you think is going on in that person's head is actually very different to what really is going on uh, until you have the conversation to say, okay, how do you actually feel about your workload? How do you feel about your performance so far in the last 12 months, let's say? rather than the coach assuming you done well, you did really well, or, you know, you had quite a few ups and downs the last six months, I feel. So um, I think, yeah, if you could kind of uh, try to eliminate those assumptions, which can be difficult, I'll, I'll be very honest with you. It was for me, uh, that's for sure, uh, in the early days of coaching. Uh, so eliminating assumptions and um, I'll say do try to uh, – go with more of a listening ear rather than doing a lot of the talking. I think if you allow the space and the energy and the platform for the person being coached to talk a lot more about themselves, it does actually build a lot more trust and uh, it does bring a good energy to the conversation because the the client is really is feeling like they're being heard in that way and that they feel like the the manager is actually listening to what they have to say and about how they feel rather than the manager kind of giving direction and giving orders and, uh, again, making assumptions about who they are as a person. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about some of the habits that you've accumulated over time. Mm. So, so what sort of daily habits have you picked up from coaching? Yes, I think um, right from the start of the conversation, I've mentioned about uh, how coaching has made me become self-aware about my routines, my behavior, my habits, and how I wanted to use the time in the morning, especially to make the most of my day to work on myself as a person. So um, I think for me, the, the main sort of, uh, uh, sort of new ways of uh, introducing new ways in my life of uh, becoming a better person is having a solid morning routine. Now, for me, that wakes up waking up a quiet early hour, uh, trying not to wake up the wife, trying not to wake the cat up before she starts meowing for the next three hours. It can be a challenge, i tell you that. So waking up early, go downstairs, and one of the first things I do is I journal every evening. I've been journaling and uh, for the last uh, five and a half years now, actually. Um, and that's, a, that's been a daily practice where I've been basically writing my thoughts about the day, what I've learned, 
what I can do better next time around about certain aspects of my life. And it really is a good way to unlock your thoughts onto paper. And when you're unlocking thoughts uh, and um, unloading your thoughts from your mind, that creates more capacity, more space in your mind to think of new things, new thoughts, and new creative ways to do better things in the future. And um, so that's journaling. Um, also, I like to be physically fit, so like going to the gym, like going for walks around the block, and uh, just to you know unwind myself a little bit, uh, loosen up my limbs. Why not? And um, do a lot of reading as well. Um, before I even started coaching, the last thing I had read was probably my textbook at university on finances. Um, so to pick up a book uh, during the coaching sort of days, uh, that was quite a it was quite a revelation in actually picking up a book about personal development and really um, picking up a book with purpose because I actually want to read about how I can improve myself as a person. So the first book I actually read was The Miracle Morning, which was about how to make the best of your early mornings before the day goes crazy for you, essentially. So, uh, yeah, wake up from an early hour to journaling to, to movement and exercise to reading and the last piece is around goal setting. Um, I've been goal setting for the last three, three and a half years now, actually. And uh, my goals are set, uh, well, they're kind of uh, spaced out between days, weeks, months, quarters, and years. And you might think it's quite drastic, but that's not how it really started. It started from this is what I want to do 12 months from now. This is what I want to do a month from now. And um, when you get really crystal clear about what you want to achieve and how that looks when you achieve it, it really helps you to start your day with a purpose because the question is when you wake up is, okay, what are the one, two or three main things I want to accomplish today that will get me closer to my goals, whether it be a professional goal or a personal goal? What are the two or three things I can do today to reach that goal? And I've been doing that day in, day out for the last three and a half years. And every Sunday, uh, every Sunday afternoon, very strictly, I've been marking my progress to see uh, how well I've been uh, keeping up with my goals or not so well I've been keeping up with my goals and to see how I can make improvements and uh, whatnot. So uh, I've been tracking all of this on uh, Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> uh, because, that may give you an insight into what uh, Kapil does for a day job. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So uh, spreadsheets are my best friend, what can I say? Uh, but yeah, they've been keeping track of my uh, my actions and my tasks and uh my milestones uh, day in, day out for a quite a long period of time. So, um, yeah. And what's that meant to you? Let's ask you a question. <laughs> what's that meant to me? Um, I think before I even did any of that in the first place, I was starting the day without any kind of direction. It's more around uh, having my mind on autopilot just to see how the day goes and just react to whatever happens. Um when it came to goal setting, I felt like there's more direction in the fact that I know what I want to actually accomplish because I actually thought about it, I wrote it down, and um, I reflected on it as well. So um, I think um, having those goals in place really does help you to uh, start the day with a purpose, with direction, it brings more meaning to your life because what you're essentially doing is you're not allowing other people around you to tell you what to do or what kind of goals to set. You're actually doing that yourself. And you're making that decision yourself, which really does empower you as a person. So, uh, yeah, if, if goal setting is something which is not uh, quite familiar with yourselves, it's definitely something I'll take up. Yeah. Yeah. And did you discover some interesting things just by writing down your thoughts? 
over time like things that you wouldn't have guessed until you <laughs> yeah, did write yeah. them down i'll tell you what like I, it was strange to write my very first journal my first journal entry i remember was on the 10th of january 2017 i still remember the day because i still got the journal with me in my bookshelf <laughs> but um that first journal entry um i had no idea what to write my pen was in my hand i was about to write something and i thought this is so awkward what do i write about and then, so the first two or three entries on the first three days was very awkward. You know, you don't know what to really say. You just kind of write the first thing that comes to your mind. But over time, you start to realize that, or for me, that I was talking a lot about the events that are happening around me rather than what was, was going through my mind. And I think it was only until the second year of journaling, I realized that I need to actually address what is going through my mind day to day. How do I feel about certain areas of my life? rather than about the weather or, you know, the person that cut me off in traffic today or the person who yelled at me for no apparent reason. You know, all these things I can't keep control of. So um, it really helped me to um, control myself, my inner peace, you can probably call it, and um, just, yeah, kind of uh, understand the rhythm of my thinking and uh, my conscious every day. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, kind of... A very big revelation i'll say and uh it's still um those benefits are still playing out for me five years on so uh i'm hoping the next five years will be even more than that so let's see how it goes <laughs> ah, good for you that's that's really inspiring actually hmm. um jonathan i think it might be time for your favorite section what do you reckon yes 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 the sharing section <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah, gosh. this is yeah this is where we get to know a bit more about Kapil about your <laughs> um likes and uh and the movies that you love so oh, um I, yeah I start off with a doozy <laughs> um which is <laughs> who do you most look up to in the world oh, who do I most look up to um that's a good question I'm not the biggest fan of basketball uh, but I have looked up to uh, NBA star and late NBA star Kobe Bryant. Um, for, for those who don't know him, he played he played for the Lakers for a good 20 years, uh, had won many championships. But what I liked a lot about him most was his worth ethic and who he was as a person. So he's definitely one person I've looked up to a lot in the last few years. Yes, the, the Black Mamba. The black man, indeed. Called, yes, there we go. Called him. <laughs> I think I think Ollie is a bit confused right now. I can't tell. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. I had a I had an LA Lakers ball when I was a kid. Slightly different team, era, but same yeah. team. I know the basketballs are what's nots and the three pointers. I know what happens <laughs> to my fingers when I don't bounce it. <laughs> uh, awesome, awesome. Second question is. Uh, what book or film uh, most inspired you recently? Oh, recently. Um, I think the book which has inspired me recently is uh, a book called Can't Hurt Me by uh, someone called uh, David Goggins. Uh, David Goggins Ooh. was... Uh, He's an ultra marathon, ultra crazy endurance athlete. He's basically done like multiple triathlons. Um, he's held the record for the most pull-ups in 24 hour period. I think it's about four, four and a half thousand pull-ups he's done in one day, which is insane. But his, uh, 
just his mental toughness was quite remarkable. So uh, that's definitely been an inspiring book. Uh, I've read it recently. In terms of movies, I'm not, I'm not actually uh, seen a movie recently which has really got me, you know, got my mind thinking that much and got me inspired. But what I would say, one of my favourite movies of, of all time is uh, Goodwill Hunting with uh, Matt Damon and Robin Williams. How do you like them, Apple? How do you like them, Apples? Exactly. So uh, obviously not a, a recent film, but definitely a classic in my in my in my book. <laughs> oh, nice! I have not seen um, Goodwill Hunting. What? No, uh, no, no. See, YouTube generation. I know, I know, I know. When was it made? In nineties? I think it was ninety. I think it was ninety-seven. If I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. Well, that yeah, makes sense. Then I was. I it was, was epic. I was a child. So. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll circle back and I'll, I'll have a, I'll have a uh, have a watch, have a watch. But David Goggins is a uh, he's 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 pretty much a legend at this point, and yeah, and his feats are, are are stuff of legend, right? Um, yeah, from yeah. swimming and all of that stuff as well. Really interesting man. Really interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. So what about what about one thing that you'd like to change in the world if you could? Mm. One thing I could change in the world if I could. I think if I could, I can uh, have people to be more empathetic and have more compassionate for people around them. To What I mean by that is not to really judge people by who they are, what they've done and what they've not done, but it's more about having compassion and understanding about where they've come from on their journey in life, understanding their position understanding who they are as a person and where they want to go in life and because everyone's different in their own unique way everyone has their own experiences a different upbringing a different way of seeing the world and the best way to really see how other people see the world is to really just ask questions and create that you know open relationship to say you know i'm a human you're a human let's have a conversation rather than me saying to you this is what i think of you this is what you did to me this is what you did to the other person blah 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 it's more about understanding that everyone is unique in their own special way. And I think if people can be more compassionate, more understanding, more empathetic, I think the world would be in a very much better position than it is always today. Nice. Yeah. That's such a healthy stance. Awesome. Um, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> what is one thing um, you would like people to take away from this episode? Uh, one thing I'd, I want people to take away is the fact that uh, is to really uh, look into your own sort of routines day to day and really ask the question, are you living your day with a purpose or are you living the day on autopilot? In the fact that uh, are you actually following your values? Are you following what you want to accomplish in your life? And if not, where are the opportunities to do that? And to do that is to become, uh, is to really uh, be honest with yourself about where you are so what i'll say is uh, maybe to look into the one or two three main sort of activities you do during the day and what that actually means to you and if it's something that you don't feel is really important to you or doesn't feel it's very valuable to you think of a way how you can replace that or eliminate or eliminate that to make life more meaningful for you and live your life in more direction and purpose awesome. and that's, that's, it's quite a, a bag full there, but uh, I couldn't really narrow it down into uh, one sentence. But uh, yeah, it's definitely something that's really worked for me in the past. So it's something I would love to have other people listening in to uh, take on that challenge as well. <laughs> mm. Yeah, nice one. Yeah, nice one. Yeah. 
What about projects or movements? Is there anything that's got you excited at the moment? Mm. So I've been working with a a coaching, uh, another coach of mine who I met on uh, my coaching course two days ago, sorry, two years ago, two years ago. His name is Paul Sagard. So Paul, if you're listening to this again, shout out to you as well. Uh, we have been doing a few personal development videos on YouTube, uh, which really address um, some topics around motivation and personal development. Um, so it's just something we want to really share with the world and how to uh, just to show people how they can make the most of their life in terms of becoming a better person, making better use of their time, how to tackle um, you know, uh, self-limiting beliefs, how to set goals. And uh, yeah, there's something just as a platform to really share with the world in terms of um, how to become a better person overall. So uh, that really does help me, you know, to get my battery running. I do love that doing that sort of thing and the sharing knowledge with the world. So um, yeah, that's definitely something I want to keep doing and keep sharing knowledge uh, on different platforms as well, not just YouTube, but LinkedIn as well, other social media platforms. And just yeah, just sparing a bit of advice or just you know a way of doing things just to. Uh, make someone's life even just one percent better well said well said and we'll obviously put the the links to get in touch with you on the show notes and we'll also put the link to your youtube channel but do you want to just name the channel for those that are listening right now yeah sure uh so the youtube channel is called coaching conversations and uh, you'll see a video sort of playlist there between myself and paul uh, we've been doing conversations on Zoom for the last few months now, so uh, quite a bag full of playlists there to look through and uh, um, yeah, to uh, find some golden nuggets for yourself. Uh, for myself as a coach, I do have a coaching website called uh, www.capil.coach. Uh, nice and simple. So uh, yeah, on their website, you can find out more about my journey as a coach, um, what to expect from coaching, uh, how to book a, uh, what we call a discovery session that we talked about in the call today and um, what to expect from coaching and from me as a person. So, uh, yeah, everything's on that website. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us and for, for sharing things so honestly. And, yeah, there's I think there's a lot in there for, for people listening. Um, so, yeah, look forward to having you on again in the future. And thanks for tuning in, folks, and look after each other. That's Ciao. been a lot of fun. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Thank you.